The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. Discussing pressing issues on today's News Talk TNT. Welcome to the David Curtin Show. Thank you so much for joining me today on today's News Talk TNT. Now, some of you I know watch the show every day and you may remember a couple of weeks ago I started doing a monologue or an editorial on the things that are attacking our children both in the UK and in Western civilization. But I didn't finish what I had to say because there is so much to say. But I did talk about the transgender agenda. I talked about the experimental injections and gangs, grooming gangs that target girls and county lines gangs that target boys. The thing I didn't go on to mention is one of the most controversial and emotive issues that there is, and that is the issue of abortion. Now, Abortion was decriminalized in the UK in 1967. It wasn't legalized. It's still illegal under the Offences Against the Person Act, 1861, but it is decriminalized. And that means in certain circumstances, with the permission of two doctors, an abortion can be carried out and there will be no criminal penalties. Now, it was brought in on the basis that it would be safe, legal, and rare. And people were told there would only be a few hundred a year in extreme circumstances. But this is always how abortion is brought in and introduced to a nation. Now, I declare, and I have done before, I'm pro-life. I would abolish abortion in all cases unless the mother's life was in danger, because then you're acting to save a life. In any other case, you're acting to kill a life. Nevertheless, it was brought in on that premise. It's not safe to the unborn child that's being aborted. It's not actually legal. It's just decriminalized. And it's not rare. Every time it's brought in on those base on that basis, the remit balloons way beyond what people are initially told in a bait and switch. Today, it's horrifying. There are 230,000 abortions every year in the UK, and that figure is growing. One in four pregnancies ends in an abortion in the UK. Those are the figures here. They're even higher in countries which have a larger population. What is happening also at the moment in Parliament is an absolutely horrific attempt to increase the age at which abortion is decriminalized from 24 weeks up to birth. There is a bill going through Parliament, and it will be debated in March, which is an, uh, the Criminal Justice Bill. And a Labour MP Diana Johnson has laid an amendment to the criminal justice bill, hijacking it on behalf of the abortion lobby, but um, uh, um, asking for, and uh, the amendment says that pills by post, which were decriminalized by the Coronavirus Act in 2020, should be available up to birth, and there should be no criminal penalty for any women who lie about uh, pills by post, about the age of gestation of the child, and that will be decriminalized. What happened or what, last year is that there was a case that received a lot of media attention, and that was the case of Carla Foster in 2023. 
she lied about the age of gestation. She said she was pregnant seven weeks. Actually, she was pregnant something somewhere between 32 and 34 weeks. She ordered some pills by post, which had been made legal under the Coronavirus Act and later under an amendment to the Abortion Act. Um, but she took these pills and then the baby obviously died. That was, she was still criminally liable for that because that was not accepted under the Abortion Act and even the amendment to the Abortion Act that was made in 2022. The abortion lobby has weaponized that case in order to say, well, this is terrible and therefore women who are in this situation should not receive any criminal penalty. But the reality of this is if this amendment goes through, we will have the worst and most horrific abortion regime in the Western world comparable to other countries, one or two other countries, I think like New Zealand, who have already got abortion up to birth. This is all actually part of Agenda 2030 and the Sustainable Development Goals, if you didn't know. One of those things in Agenda 2030 is called reproductive rights. So what that means is the globalists want to introduce abortion up to birth in every country around the world for any reason whatsoever. Now, even if you support some abortion, even if you support it being safe, legal and rare, as we were initially told, but it's gone well beyond that, you will probably be horrified at the thought of abortion up to birth, either through pills by post, which are called a medical abortion. I call them poison by post because actually what they do is they poison the child inside its mother's womb and then it comes out uh, in the processes later on. Or by what's called surgical abortion, which is so horrific that the abortion lobby actually doesn't want to see you to see what happens in a surgical abortion because it's more horrific than the worst horror film you can imagine. I won't go into the details here because it is very disturbing. But what I would say is anyone who is laying such a bill in Parliament and supporting such a bill in Parliament to allow abortion up to birth in the United Kingdom has at the very least lost their moral compass and they need to get a new one. This is today's News Talk, TNT. Russia, gas prices, COVID mandates. It just doesn't seem like anybody's doing anything about it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back to the David Curtin Show. I have with me, as usual, Gemma Cooper, our resident news expert. Welcome to the show, Gemma. Hello there, David. Uh, it's a bit of an unfortunate junction today because I was going to attempt to bring a little bit of a uh, humour slightly into the proceedings with uh, something that's just caught my ear from the uh, Houses of Parliament in the last hour. It's Prime Minister's question time at the moment. Mm. But that was got a very sombre editorial and some hard-hitting points there. So I'm not sure the story I've chosen is going to follow on nicely well, from there. Usually, usually you and I dovetail quite nicely editorially, but there's, there's, no, uh, there's no crossover, I'm afraid, today. You do make some very hard-hitting points. I know, but this is this is to do with Parliament, and I know today is Prime Minister's question time, isn't it? Which is always there's always a bit of argy bargy between the, the Tory and the Labour benches. It's a bit of theatre and a bit of puppetry, I think. So you know, obviously, I'm very concerned about this particular thing going through Parliament that's going to be debated in March. But you know, this is what um, is in the news today. So, I mean, what's happened? Is is this something from Prime Minister's question time? 
There is something that caught my ear and I looked at the comments and I just thought to myself, it's in relation to Liz Truss and her recent um, you know, uh, outings in America, her re recent appearances in various conferences and events uh, and podcasts with various people, Steve Bannon obviously being one of them. Mm -hmm. um, and it has caused something as a consternation, as I'm sure you are aware, you know, um, Lee Anderson's lost the whip. Uh, and there are calls for her to lose the whip for for talking mm. about the Conservative Party and and appearing on some, some so-called very right wing conferences. Um, but today in in the House of Commons, and I know you're quite right, David, on this, and you're a politician yourself. Politics is theatre. There is always a lot of argy bargy with PMQs. It is kind of very public school debate system kind of thing. But Sakir Starmer, uh, um, uh, alluding to and talking about Liz Truss's recent appearances in America, uh, where she um, appeared at the Conservative Political Action Conference and, and appeared with Steve Bannon. Um, because of her 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 comments and and her actions, um, obviously he's he's encouraged calls for her to be removed from the party. Um, and, and because they're alleged conspiracy theories. And then he trotted out, when did the Conservative Party become the political wing of the Flat Earth Society in relation <laughs> to the fact that she's still a member of the party? And I thought to myself, you know, this is the kind of ad hominem insults that get banded around to everybody who questions narratives. People like you and me uh, would be called something like, though we bet you're one of those Flat Earthers because you, you question the vaccine. In fact, I heard that quite a few times during 2020 and 21. Oh, I bet you believe the earth is flat. And I was like, no, and that's not even a debate I want to have. I want to talk about what's mm. happening in front of our noses. And I just think it's a very... Um, effective way of deflecting and analyzing why she might have said what she said in America, why she did what she did, why she decided to, to appear with certain commentators, why she decided to talk about the deep state. She did use those words. She said her administration was scuppered by the deep state. Um, instead of analyzing those words and looking what might be behind them, even in parliament now, you know, where it's a matter of parliamentary privilege, where it goes on Hansard, it goes on official historical mm. record. They're now saying, oh, you're one of those flat earthers because you think that. That's how far this, this debate has got embedded into, into not just the UK narrative. If you're, if you're questioning the official narrative, you must be an insane flat earther. This is a global thing, isn't it, David? And if it's a question of standing up and saying, we don't agree with globalist policies. Oh, well, then you're nuts. It's impossible now to make it stick. Mm. Uh, and Rishi Sunak did make quite a good comeback, actually, uh, and said, well, look, let's let's talk about some of the people in the Labour Party, shall we? And then, then, the, then the conversation continued. But I just thought it was interesting, the lexicon of that language. Oh, flat earthers, because we've all heard that. Well, I would. I can't speak for everyone in the freedom movement, but a lot of people have over the last four years of like you question one thing, it means you're an insane tinfoil hat wearing nut job, uh, and that has now been reflected <laughs> in in the House of, of Parliament, in the House of Commons, in the last hour. So I just thought I'd throw it in there because it, it did make me chuckle. Uh, I don't think mm. anyone's falling for it for a second, but as I say, it's subject to parliamentary privilege and it goes down as a record of history. There we go. Yeah, I mean, I've had that as well. I've been on debate shows and I've been talking about climate change and the, the insanity of climate alarmism. And then someone throws in, oh, you believe the earth is flat as well. I mean, this is just absolute nonsense. I lose all respect for anybody who throws that into the argument at any point because they're not, they're deflecting away from you making a very good point either about injections or lockdowns or um, the climate, the, you know, the climate alarmism or the real science is about carbon dioxide and they throw in something which is completely and 
patent nonsense in order to try to discredit you. But I think they discredit themselves. I mean, anyone who throws out the smear about you being a conspiracy theorist, well, you know, there's the joke, which is well known now, what's the difference between a conspiracy theory and reality? Well, it's about six months. But actually, I would say <laughs> the time is shorter. I mean, it's probably only about one or two months now, because there aren't any conspiracy theories left, really, that haven't been shown to become true, um, you know, with uh, central bank digital currencies and so on, and uh, bioweapons labs in Ukraine. We all know that these things are real, and they've been proven to be real and proven to be true. So, I mean, th this going on in Parliament really is just... You know, it, it's the level of intelligence has just gone down the drain, really, with these people. I mean, just reflects the quality of the MPs that we've got, which are all, you know, even the people that are leaders in the, the Uniparty, as I call them, Tory and Labour together, seem to be a very, very low quality these days. And we really need some people better in there to actually you know, raise the level of debate and actually do what MPs should be doing, which is not very much at all apart from facilitating everybody else to get on with their lives and build their families build their businesses and go about and pursue happiness and prosperity absolutely very well said indeed very well said indeed and i think you're right they discredit themselves now and actually uh you know coming to the table with this one sakir starmer with his leadership hat on you know he's a bit late to the party isn't he really and i mean these these are the insults we've been hearing for the last four years um suddenly his kind of un sketch underwriter his parliamentary speech writer is saying well put this in put flat earth in that's mm. the big thing that's what will shut them up unfortunately no i think you're a bit late there mate but i'd like yes. i say it made, made me chuckle to see why well, even in the house of commons you know this is this is really uh, the lexicon of something we've been dealing with for years is now being thrown around mm. in in PMQs, um, roughly roughly rebutted, I think, but still there, nevertheless. Yeah. But also very interesting, you mentioned Liz Truss as well, and it was about her. And it was such a bizarre thing to see her over in CPAC. You know, yeah, I mean, they all used to like people in the Republican Party being there and certain commentators, Steve Bannon and so on. But seeing Liz Truss of the Uni Party over in CPAC talking about the deep state and talking about how she couldn't do what she wanted when she was prime minister because she was hindered by these kind of things, this thing and that thing and pretending to be a real conservative i wouldn't say you know i mean the thing about liz trust to be honest i think her economic policies were very good but her social policies are really not conservative at all they're very very liberal um and so i i'm, I'm a little bit reticent to actually accept her into the conservative movement if you like but this seems to have happened at cpac and that's a a very odd thing um to be happy but it just shows how far you know, everybody else has moved away from what is, you know, conservatism, even economic conservatism, when they're actually having a go at her um, for being at a conference, which is a respected conference, and trying to throw ad hominem attacks at her rather than actually make some good intellectual debating points.
Oh, quite. Yes. Deflect away from the issues at hand. Mm. I think that was largely what was going on here. But I don't think it's quite worked. Although we might see some more headlines mm. about this as the tabloids come out tomorrow morning, you know, flat earther. Mm. Who knows? Who knows with this one? Who knows? Absolutely. Well, watch this space. Gemma, thank you for bringing that story. Thanks for coming on the show. This is today's News Talk TNT. TNT's Bruce de Torres. How did that impact you, that, that first year of studying and realizing you, I presume, were seeing something that was not only unprecedented, if not unbelievable, but unbelievably harmful. What did that cause you to do? I realized really from the very beginning of the pandemic that this was all um, you know, pushed by propaganda. This, this, was, this wasn't science. This wasn't medicine. This was propaganda that was being pushed by the mainstream media. It was pushed by public health authorities that I knew to be corrupt from my you know, legal battles uh, before the pandemic. Uh, these were very corrupt individuals who were pushing these pandemic measures. Uh, and really it seems like all proper medicine and science was just being thrown out the window to push a certain agenda and certain pharmaceutical products on the population. World Stage and Bruce DeTorres on today's News Talk TNT. steps to space. This time we go back to the moon to learn to live, to work, to invent, to create. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back to the David Curtin Show. I'm David Curtin here on today's News Talk TNT. And I have with me today Basil Valentine, who is our political correspondent and uh, an expert on what's going on around the world. Welcome to the show, Basil. Great to be with you, David. My debut on your great new program. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm loving it. And this is my third week. So it's really good to have you on the show uh, with me today. There's lots to talk about. There's so much going on around the world. I mean, what do you think are the main things happening um, that concern us today? I mean, we hear about Ooh. the war in Ukraine. We hear about Gaza and Yemen. I mean, what, what's, what sort of is going on in those areas today? What a, what, a, what a question, David. Uh, yeah, um, the, you know, the world is in turmoil. Only earlier this week, uh, Emmanuel Macron suggested putting French troops on the ground in Ukraine, wow. directly mm. confronting Russian troops. This, of course, could well lead to World War Three. Uh, I don't think the troops of two nuclear armed powers other in eastern europe is a very good idea and i'm pleased to say that he was widely slapped down for those remarks um nevertheless this morning uh ursula von der leyen uh who if there's one good thing that came out of brexit david it's that we're nothing to do with her she doesn't speak for us my god she's dreadful she said this morning that uh, the threat of war may not be immediate but it is not ruled out. Well, you know, in wow. my view, it should be ruled out. We cannot have Europe or NATO going to war with Russia in Ukraine. No. Um, when Macron got widely slapped down for uh, suggesting that he might put French troops in harm's way, mm. um, this has been interpreted as perhaps a signal to 
uh, Zelensky and the Ukrainians that they're not going to get NATO or European troops to help them out. And that therefore, for all the bellicose noise and talk of how essentially Ukrainian victory is, um, in fact, is the indication not being given that the Ukrainians need to sue for peace because in terms of the fighting on the ground, they're set for, uh, you know, mm. further setbacks, shall we say, the Russians are pressing ahead and winning the mm. war. Ukraine is not going to win the war under any circumstances. I don't think any. Yeah, but Europeans are still saying they must do so for the defense of yeah. Europe. I mean, we've had all this nonsense about conscription here in the UK. Um, there cannot be a war. And I personally do not think that the Russians pose any threat to Western Europe. They're only in Ukraine mm. to defend the ethnic Russians who were being persecuted and shelled by uh, the, the rest of Ukraine. Correct me if I'm wrong, David. I think it's no, time I, for everybody mm. to grow up, really. We've got to de-escalate yeah. the tension and, and return to diplomacy. More jaw-jaw and less war-war. I totally agree with you. And it, it seems, though, that the leaders of the collective West, if you can call them that, NATO leaders, EU uh, leaders, are hell-bent on escalating this war. And they talk about it as though we must beat Russia, we must defeat Putin in Ukraine, otherwise that's an existential threat to Europe, when it's not. And no. it's very clear that Putin, Russia, is just doing the special military operations, you said, in eastern and southern Ukraine, where there are ethnic Russians, to stop them from being bombed to bits and shelled, as they have been for 10 years now, since 2014. And that was the real beginning of the war. That was the real beginning of the trouble, when the CIA, with the uh, Under Secretary of State Victoria Newland, particularly, went to Ukraine, caused a coup, uh, ousted the democratically uh, elected leader, was it uh, um, Yanukovych, and put in their puppet Poroshenko, and then we got another puppet Zelensky, who actually was elected on the basis of peace with Russia, but he did a big That's bait right. and switch. And then we've got war with Russia because his puppet masters in the White House or the Pentagon have um, goaded him into war. And then Boris Johnson and others have gone to him and said, don't make peace, continue the war. Um, but, you know, U Ukraine is going badly for Ukraine and it's going very well for Russia. I'm, I see reports, I was looking at a report on, on the ground today from someone who was in Romania and said that's the case. But NATO have got 20,000 troops in Romania near the border with Ukraine doing a military exercise. Okay, so they haven't gone across the border, but they're doing it close to the border, which, you know, is a sort of saber rattling of some kind. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, the, this talk and this rhetoric is very, very dangerous, isn't it? I think. Just this week, Zelensky said that 31,000 Ukrainian troops have been killed since the outbreak of hostilities. Other people say it could be 10 times that number. We yeah. really don't know. Apparently, they don't like admitting people have died because it means paying pensions to their descendants and relatives mm. for the rest of their lives. There are apparently thousands supposedly missing in action. 
uh, it, it's all so sad, really, David, because it could all have been avoided, uh, should all have been avoided, for, as you rightly pointed out, the, uh, the uh, Russia-friendly government was ousted uh, for, you know, nefarious reasons. And then as recently as two years ago, George Gallo, um, <laughs> we're coming to him next. Boris yes. Johnson <laughs> went and scuppered the... Uh, scuppered the peace to i mean you know mm. that buffoon honestly i mean it's one thing him sort of uh having parties in number 10 during lockdown it's quite another being responsible for the most uh deathly conflagration in eastern europe since the end of the second world war mm. and what gets me david is where does this enmity towards the russian people come from it's not mm. from the british people we do not have an enemy no. in the Russian people. So why is there's no ideological difference anymore? They're capitalists. It's not like it's this dreaded threat of communism with its, uh, mm. you know, appalling system that, uh, you know, doesn't provide a decent standard of living for people and and all that. I mean, Putin is an authoritarian to some degree, but I mean, when you look at uh, other regimes around the world that we're happy to do business with. That is not in and of itself a sufficient excuse for the degree of enmity. So I've been mm. puzzled for some years now as to why the UK deep state hates the Russians so much. It goes back to the, whatever well, it predates, but examples are like the when Russia got the World Cup and we expelled a diplomat a few days later. Do you remember that nonsense mm. and claimed it had nothing to do with it? You know, there's been this, yeah. uh, you know, unnecessary completely unnecessary um poking of, of the russians endlessly which includes reneging on previously agreed bilateral agreements and you know where does it come from david why why yeah why do, I, want to whip up? do you know what i mean it doesn't make any sense to me it's it's irrational but it, there is someone who did give an answer to it i don't have time to go into it now but it, we all know on this channel we've heard of gonzalo lira who was killed in a Ukrainian prison uh, for nothing more than free speech and expressing his opinion. But he has done a lot of excellent videos analyzing the background to what's going on, the history, uh, you know, back to 2014, but even back a hundred years. And he does give an answer. Um, and uh, <laughs> you can have a look at Gonzalo Lira's videos and uh, you might find the answer he gives there. But anyway, Basil, thank you so much for joining me in this section. Uh, we'll be back after the break. This is today's News Talk TNT. Here we go. TNT Radio News. News. Matt Boyland here with your TNT headlines. Washington has warned the situation in Ukraine is extremely dire, admitting the country's losing territory as Kyiv's forces retreat from their positions amid strong Russian advances. The situation is extremely serious right now. Frontline workers who were sacked or suspended for refusing the COVID vaccine in the Australian state of Queensland are celebrating a huge win. And Donald Trump and Joe Biden both won their respective primaries in Michigan on Tuesday, putting them on a path to a potential rematch in November. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio.
Welcome back to the David Curtin Show here on today's News Talk TNT. And I have with me now Nadia Klock, who is the London Secretary of the Workers' Party of Britain. George Galloway is the leader of that party. And there is a by-election coming up soon uh, where he's standing. Nadia, welcome to the show. Hi, David. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, fantastic. So you're in the Workers' Party of Britain. Um, obviously, yeah. George Galloway is standing in the Rochdale by-election, which is tomorrow. Now, I'm, I'm in the Heritage Party. We're not standing there. So, you know, I know George yeah. Galloway. Um, I like him. I've spoken to him before. And a uh, good thing about him is that he will speak to anybody. Um, you know, he believes in freedom of speech. But t can you tell us and tell the viewers, wh what does the Workers' Party of Britain stand for? What are some of your key policies? Well, we stand for liberation of anyone oppressed um quite a few people think that we just represent the working class we represent you know anyone who's paying taxes and they feel like they're paying taxes for the wrong reasons um we don't agree with um our foreign policies at the moment the foreign policy is taken by the government so that includes the military interventions with um between Ukraine and Russia, um, between Israel and um, Gaza. Uh, we we have quite a few disagreements on that. Um, our main focus is on the living standards of the, the, the people of this country. Mm. Um, it's to focus on improving their living standards. We stand for freedom of speech. We stand for the farmers. We stand for, yeah, basically all those who feel like they've been paying taxes for just the wrong reasons at the moment. Hmm. You know, I certainly agree with you on foreign policy. Um, I know we, we in the Heritage yeah. Party are also, we're against the war in Ukraine. We shouldn't be involved in sending Absolutely. huge amounts of money and weapons there, Please. which could be... Yeah, absolutely. Five billion, I think, has come from this country, which could be spent here or actually to to pay off our debt. We're not you know, we, we've got a mountain of debt that we need to pay off as well. And and also the Gaza yeah. situation, you know, which is horrendous. And, you know, yeah. George Galloway there, the campaign you hear is his strap line seems to be for Rochdale for Gaza. Now, the thing is, some right. people might question that and say, well, why is there such a focus on Gaza? in the campaign to be elected in Rochdale? Is there is there a reason for that? Well, the big issue at the moment is it's it's a big thing in our in, in the world at the moment. It's what's happening in Gaza. Now how it affects people in Rochdale is that our money is going it's being spent on arms, arms trade with Israel mm. to harm innocents. And it really shouldn't be in our name. It, it gives us a lot of shame. I've spoken to quite a few um, because I was out canvassing in Rochdale with um, yeah. with uh, George, and I've spoken to as well as the Muslim community. I've sp spoken to English white community, and they've also said, you know, this what's going on in Gaza it shouldn't be happening. Mm. It's it's not on. You know, there are some, also some people in at more affluent areas. Um, they don't really like they didn't really like george but the majority it was quite positive mm. so it, it also affects them in the way of 
where's my taxes being spent? It's all about, mm. you know, why their living standard is su- suffering. They're, you know, they're, I think the leisure centre was about to be closed. Um, the market stalls were closed. The maternity ward is being shut mm. down. The A&E ward has been shut down. I mean, the maternity ward, you know, if you were on your way to give birth, you'd have to travel about half an hour to the next to the next hospital wow. at least. Um, that's if there isn't any traffic. Um, what I find really extraordinary, because I, I remember when I gave birth and if it was any, five minutes later, I, I'm really lucky the hospital is about 10 minutes away, but it was five minutes later, that would have been it. It would have been at the back of the car. So right. hmm. these things are really important. So George doesn't just only focus on Palestine. He does focus on the things that, people need the, the common people the services that they require and need to live happily mm. so at the moment it's just what's happening in gaza it's a big big deal and also in mm. as you said in ukraine the amount of money being s- sent over there to zelensky it's just incredible and it shouldn't mm. be anywhere near them it should be here it should be invested in the people here yeah. and unfortunately it's not Unfortunately, people are suffering now. I mean, we have children, mm. we have parents who can't put enough calories on their children. You know, we have we have families who can't even they don't have enough money on the on the um, on the meter. They, they they can't put the gas on. Yeah. So, so the, the thing it, is, we, look, if I can ask you a question about this, I mean, so yeah. obviously there are lots of financial hardships for a lot of people in the country. But what would the Workers Party do in terms of taxation and supporting people who are in hardship we'll tax the right groups tax the right group tax the, that one percent that earn millions per year right would you tax them more would you would you increase taxation well, for definitely i'll use use the taxation to nationalize the water water services to to, to nationalize energy to um, bring these services back home, to regulate them in a, in a way that is good enough for the people to a, a good level. Um, yeah. it, it's, it's incredible, you know, we're, we're always talking about how to make cuts here and save money here. You know, there's one thing that George is spot on. He says, this government knows the price of everything, but he ha- they don't know the quality of anything. Yeah, no, I, I, t- mm. I, I completely agree. I mean, I, I see like you, I would, I would criticise both the Tories, who I, I think are fake Conservatives, and Labour and the Lib Dems and Greens have, have not got any Absolutely. solutions for the country. They're all the same. They all coalesce around the same policies. And you know, one thing yeah. I think we might agree with you is, um, you know, the horrendous cost of climate alarmism, um, which is, you know, yeah. absolutely ridiculous. And who has and, to pay for that? It's the working hmm. class. In London, we were all forced to buy cars that were you less compliant. Yeah. You don't know how much financial pressure that put on me and my husband when we had yeah. a perfectly fine working car we had to buy another car that was actually there was a lot of things wrong with it we had to spend more thousands on it and all these thousands mm. of money we were saving to do a a, a, a a downstairs toilet for my little ones to use so it's, right. it's that's all that's all gone so why you know it's fine to um to modernize in a way that um, you know, if you if you're worried about the environment, yes, that's fine. But don't put more pressure and more rules yeah. on working class people. They've got enough problems. Use the money yeah. from the millionaires. 
I mean, there's a right, lovely, I mean, yeah. lovely feminist, what's his name? Gary Stevenson with Political Joe. If you, if you get a chance to watch that interview, and he's an economist from a working class background. Um, so intelligent. And he said, you know, you just have to reduce this financial inequality because what the government's done, these Tories, they've crushed the middle class and they've pushed them down with the mm. working class. So now everyone's yeah. struggling. You know, they say, right, oh, yeah. Yeah, you, a little, you know, yeah. yeah. Yep, Absolutely. Look, look, I, I think we I think we would certainly agree on, you know, really re reducing the tax burden on working class people wherever possible. I mean, I probably would disagree with you about taxing the, the wealthiest people more because there's already a, a tax rate of 45 percent. But we, we could do we could debate that again another time. But Nadia, I've got I've got to finish now because uh, I, I've come to the sure. end of this section, unfortunately. But thank you so much That's for coming right. on the show and uh, and chatting to me here and all the best to your party tomorrow in Rochdale. Very Thank nice. you so much. Thank you so much. Have a lovely day. You're welcome. This is today's News Talk TNT. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Scientists are freaking out over how warm the ocean has gotten. They should freak out. You know why? Because it's proof that it cannot be man-made. CO2 back radiation only penetrates the top millimeter or two of the oceans. So what's warming the ocean? Well, if you've been listening and following some of my writings, it appears logical and appears obvious that this has to be natural, specifically geothermally driven. Now, there are some other arguments out there. The solar people say because of the reduction of incoming rays, it could be affecting the cloud cover. However, as a meteorologist, I could tell you why there's less cloud cover over the tropics. If it warms, and it's going to be distorted warming because of what we call the thermal halion circulation, it warms more away from the equator than around the equator. It affects the vertical velocity patterns, which lessen the upward motion over the tropical oceans. And guess what happens? You have less clouds. Now, I'm not going to get into argument with my solar friends. I will tell you this. Those scientists that are panicking over how warm the ocean is getting should be panicking because it means that they can't possibly be right as to the cause and their gravy train should come to an end. I'd be panicking too. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. We all know what it's like to feel alone. But it just takes one new connection. Want to get out of here? To empower many. This is unbelievable. It doesn't take a superhero to bring forces together. We all have the power to reach out. Let's go! And help someone feel like they belong. Pretty cool, huh? We are stronger together. Discussing national and international issues. This is the David Curtin Show on today's News Talk TNT. Welcome back to the David Curtin Show here on today's News Talk TNT. And I'm delighted to have with me Mark Windows on the show today. Now, Mark runs Windows on the World, which is a podcast and a or teaching series. I don't know what you call it, but there's so much information that you've put out there on your broadcast, which is really, really interesting and important for people to know. And uh, you've been doing this for 10 years or so, or maybe, oh, a lot maybe more than that, longer. David. I off in about 2006 2007 and i saw how the courts had changed in the uk so that led me into looking at what was actually going on and then of course we had the big society in 2010 and there was a massive mm -hmm. sea change in the way especially local governance operated 
Mm. You, you talk about communitarianism and uh, quite a lot, and I don't think many people may not have even heard of that word or let, even less understand what it means. But what is that and why is it a danger to our society? Well, in 2010, Cameron announced a big society and out of that came communitarianism. The word started to be used, but generally it goes into local governance and it was used actually by the Clintons and Everyone in the US after the Clintons was trained in communitarianism, but it's a kind of intellectual thing, but it, it impacts on all of the UN Sustainable Development Goals because hence we get all rights come with responsibilities. In other words, we have no inalienable rights anymore. And the word comes from community and communism. It was actually thought up by John Goodwin Barnby in 1841, and he was... He wrote the Communist Chronicles and he set up the London Communitarian Association. So communism and communitarian views were pretty indivisible. But where it broke off was when we got into a thing called the responsive society with people such as Amatai Etzioni, born Werner Falk in the 30s. And he was one of the main proponents of communitarianism uh, globally. So his view was that people were not taking enough responsibility within a community and that people would have to take more responsibility. So therefore, all rights that are granted come with responsibilities, whereas, of course, all rights actually come from one individual having rights. You can't have collective rights. So that's the point. So from that, we get consensus meetings where people are steered into the intended outcome. So in other words, it's a completely deceptive system. It masks, it masquerades or masks itself as community, but it mm. is in fact top-down totalitarianism. So does this happen on local councils? I mean, you know, you talk about consensus being driven and people go into meetings and then, you know, they think they they have an opinion and they can present their opinions and we live in an open society where there's a level playing field. But is it the case that people can go to meetings and then be you know, manipulated into accepting certain points of view and then pursuing a certain agenda, such as the climate agenda or the woke yes. agenda or the trans agenda and things like that? Yes. Well, all these, all these agendas, David, are drivers of change. The climate mm. change agenda is the biggest driver of change humanity has ever been forced mm. into and under. So in other words, these other agendas, which are basically identitarian agendas, are put in for divide and rule purposes. And it's all part mm. of the big society in that everybody participates but in actual fact this illusion of participation is completely false because the outcomes have already been decided and people are finding that out mm. they go to these local council meetings they find that they're not being heard that it appears that these new developments these new impositions the low traffic neighborhoods were all implemented before and it's part of an ongoing project which it is mm. it's a a very long-term project which started with the Agenda 21 goals. And it started off with a thing called Global 2000. But then we get we go back, the first communitarian document was actually Our Common Future in 1987, which mm -hmm. was also known as the Brundtland Report. Gro Harlem Brundtland was a communist and the Prime Minister of Norway. Now, I don't want to get too complicated with this, but people have to know what the principles are, the core principles. So in other words, people were trained into this new system of sustainable development. So when you're dealing with the council, you're not dealing on an open playing field. You're dealing with an agenda 
which is already in place and it is very mm. difficult to stop but that hence you get consensus meetings hence you get delphi technique invented by the rand corporation in 1953 to gain group consensus so i'll give you an example mm. so if you've got a factory and you want all the employees to agree you don't want the, the the unions to get too powerful so what you do is you put your own people in there you kind of infiltrate mm. and you steer them into closing the doors that you don't want them to go through it's a bit like salesmanship so say you've got a window salesman and he goes oh that window's rotten it'll have to come out we've got one in the warehouse you can have it for 1200 pounds but if you wait till next week it's 1500 now that is a kind of steering but at any point within that process you can say i don't want the window and i want you to leave mm. but with this you can't do that because what they do is they put the goals as part of the objective so in other words say the citizens assemblies on climate change you cannot question anthropogenic global warming you then go through a 3 day or 2 day indoctrination program where you are told what you are needed to vote for and what you need to do for example the citizens mm. assembly on climate change in oxford everybody in the country has now voted to spend 25000 pounds upwards on retrofit in their houses everyone in the uk has agreed mm. to this did they know no of course they didn't a group of people were given a series of steered steered questions and they were made to agree with them wow um, it works so it's kind of an imposition from above that masquerades as community yeah Yeah. How do we fight this? I mean, you, you know, obviously I I see infiltration happening and yes. you know, I'm I'm leading the heritage party. I've seen people try to come in and then cause trouble or try to come in and and steer us to, you know, give up this policy and give up that policy. I mean, I think we are in some sense insulated against it because I wrote the manifesto at the very beginning and put that out yes. there. But I know we have councillors at the parish and town level, the very lowest level. which don't have too much in the way of uh, decision making and legislative power but even at that level you see they're filled with tory labor lib dem green and they all are pushing the same agenda you know they're all for the climate yes. agenda which as you say is a is an agenda of change and they want to do this to restrict car use and to put up 5g towers and whatever that can surveil people how can we fight against this i mean can we do this within the system that we have now or should we try to crash the system and make a whole new system as some people think that we should do i think the second option is not on the table because that's already mm. been taken into consideration so what mm. tends to happen is people who are outside the narrative will be steered as well the communitarian society has infiltrated everything i was mm. shocked at the level of infiltration around 2013 in Waltham right. Forest a whole new set of people appeared in the borough and i found mm. that this was going on all over the country we'll get to the solution in a minute by the way but mm. first of all we have to address what the problem really is and what happened was i was getting people contacting me from around 2010 onwards about these people who they knew nothing about who'd come into the community a lot of them were starting ngos and lobbying groups for this mm. agenda so hence you get locally things like mums for lungs our children can't breathe etc now these are mm. steered groups wow. these are consensus groups mm. and that's the trick so when you see the word community it's them it's not you so you have to take back this at a community level
And I know that the Heritage Party is trying to do this and you're doing exactly the right thing. It's a mm. big uphill struggle because, of course, the people who you're trying to get on board are being distracted all over the place by so-called freedom fighters. Mm. And this is part of the steering. And this is one of the things that um, made me turn my back on some of the things that were happening in the respect that I saw it wasn't going anywhere. So there was a bit of conflict over that with certain people, but now they're seeing that, in fact, it was right that this, this system is in place. But I do have a manifesto, which you can look at on a, it's just put empower your community into windowsontheworld.net and scroll down to the end. And there's a series of steps there, which you can use as a template. And what that does, it makes it so that they can't accuse you of being far right. It, they can't mm. accuse you of being anti-climate change. They can't accuse you of being a denier of anything. And that's the trick, because as we know, it's all about ad hominems and logical fallacies. Mm. The whole of sustainable development is all about logical fallacies. In other words, they'll turn around and say 97% of scientists agree, which is a logical fallacy. It has no basis in any form of reality and never did. Mm. So they use these template arguments. And when they lose the argument, they will shut the meeting down or shut the subject down. What you yeah. have to do cleverly somehow, and this is a great challenge to people out there, you are, you are in a mimetic war and the best meme is gonna win. So you have to be very aware that this is a soundbite orientated program. Now, I've got a lot of the quotes that you can use against the climate change agenda. For, for example, Otmar Edenhofer, who's like the big head of climate policy throughout the world, Mercator Institute, IPCC, et cetera. He's openly stated, this is not an environmental project. Climate policy has absolutely nothing or little to do with anything environmental. So you have mm. to separate climate policy from the environmentalism. So in other words, the policies that they're following are not environmental. And you've been a real champion of this, stating, mm. you know, the solar farms, the green energy doesn't work. I went to a conference several years ago, David, called the Green Energy Conference. The two suppliers to the national grid said, we do not know why the government is lying about renewables. Both of them, wow. two separate companies said this, and they were very open. They were getting top dollar from the government when the national grid is at peak capacity, which is very often now. They said the future in Britain is power cuts, but we don't know why they're lying wow. about renewables. But everything is backed up with buried diesel generators called the STOR system, which clicks in. So people don't know that these buried diesel generators are owned by offshore companies, many by Saudi Arabia, especially in Wales. This was a few years ago. So when wow. we look at the green agenda, we have to look at what it is. Now, some people who've been through the university system see it as, oh, it's a corporate agenda. Well, that's half the story. But unless they get the full picture of what it's really about, which is control and management and depopulation, then mm. they're still going to be, it's the corporates or it's the Tories. So what this system does, it gets people stuck in a certain place and in certain mm. groups. And that's the trick. You have to break out of those groups and see the bigger picture. Yeah, it looks like they are fabricating scarcity deliberately. Yes, artificial um, scarcity is how it's run. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, indeed. You, you know, one of the most disappointing things to me is, is something you sort of alluded to there is that we're trying to do some good things in the Heritage Party and actually talk common sense. But then you'd find another group set up, whether it's an NGO or something that sounds, you know, like they agree with us and, and actually maybe even copy what we stand for word for word and then compete with us and then take people and lead them into nowhere, and so nothing gets done. Have you seen that happen um, over Absolutely. the years? Absolutely. That is one of the key tenets of communitarianism. In other words, nobody will be left behind. There's something for everybody. The Soviets mm -hmm. used to call it the system of moods. In other words, you give people pressure valves where they think they're rebelling or they're having a mm -hmm. voice. In fact, of course, they're not, which is why I pointed out what happened with the so-called COVID protests. I'd seen all mm -hmm. this before. I saw the steering years before that in the Occupy protests when Soros came in, took it over. Right. Now, one thing I would say, David, is that every single one of these template groups, whether it's your local council or it's a protest group like Extinction Rebellion or the other side of Extinction Rebellion, which is the anti... So the, the globalists need the anti-globalists to implement their policies. So they get everyone mm. to do it. That's communitarianism. Everyone's agreed, you see. So okay. what you have to do is be able to see outside that. And they have facilitators, co-facilitators, and they steer you through a series of questions, which obviously they remove everything out of the way when it gets towards the intended goal. So you're basically being steered and funneled in one direction. And once people realize that, then they have to use countermeasures. So in other mm. words, it's very difficult for you to point out that this is happening because it's going to make you look paranoid. You go, well, they agree with you. Do you see what I mean? Mm. This is the problem mm. I had explaining. It says, well, you can see what they're doing. They're slightly subverting what you're saying, but you say that and they go, oh, you're paranoid. I've had this for years and say, no, mm. they're taking you down there. And they go, no, they're not. They never said that. <laughs> You know? Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you can tell because I think, you know, I, I was I've been in politics since 2015. I was elected in 2016. And then when I tried to get re-elected onto the London Assembly in 2021, I got all these groups sprung up and they said slightly similar things to me, but slightly twisted and then stood against me. And I think, why are you doing this? Why don't you just join in so we can all be one party together and support each other and maybe get a seat? But I mean, do, do you think that there's you know we just got two or three minutes left is there is there any point do you, do you think it's worth engaging in the political process um or uh, at all or, or is it not worth it anymore do you think uh, absolutely i mean i think that people should get behind the heritage party hmm. i'm not just saying that because i'm on air with you because you are the only party that offers a solution there is no other party that is offering a solution and of course hmm. the others are well funded and they're, they're all going in the same hmm. direction we know this, but I, I was going to read you this manifesto. Somebody's yes. my screen's gone black here, which I can't. I don't oh. seem to be able to do it. But um, I, it's it's basically in an, a, an article called "Empower Your Community." WindowsOnTheWorld.net. Mm. Go to the end of that and and just read those principles. And we've got lots of other stuff. We've got the solution, the community revolutionaries, big society change agents, the communitarian agenda. Empower your community. When people watch this back, they can click onto them, and they will all reinforce what we've been saying here today. 
Mm, absolutely i'd re definitely recommend anyone look at your website and uh the videos that you made there's a wealth of knowledge there um it's incredible i don't know if you remember everything that you've said over the years or not because there's so much there um, well i do sometimes david i mean I, I put on something from three years ago when they were talking about this rollout of the 5g millimeter wave technology but mm. it was all about a council meeting and what i would say to people is nothing's changed Th there's nothing complicated about this system it's incredibly simple it's incredibly simple let me read this out david because it's come back on yeah again. we just got we People, just got about 30 seconds so uh, read it yeah, read a little say, bit that'd be great okay we are an unaffiliated group of local residents concerned about the lack of democratic process in local government planning and policy that covers everything we will remain unaffiliated as individuals acting collectively and within the law towards a truly inclusive democratic process where all voices are heard we are not affiliated with any group or organization whatsoever this does not mean however that we do or do not endorse other groups we do not agree with arriving at a consensus through being steered into predetermined outcomes by trained facilitators, either working for the council or public-private partnerships. We deem this to be okay, against yeah. the public interest and an affront to Brilliant. All the democracy. Sorry, <laughs> I can't argue with that. That is amazing. Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for joining me. This is today's News Talk TNT.